When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Absolute sports betting degeneracy. Hey everybody, Arch here. We're a day early. Hopefully we're not a dollar late. College football time. What's going on, Panther? Oh, my God. It's, it, it's an exciting time, but it's really a sad time because it's over. Like, this, this is it. Conference championships. We'll go into our bowl games. And I got to be honest. I'm, you know, we were looking over this list of games. There's not a lot of games I like, like, as far as being competitive. There's a lot of games I like to bet, but I think it's going to be a lackluster weekend of blowouts so um man i'm kind of sad that the season's over but here we are come and gone just that quick yep yep it's that that's it it's hard to believe it just seems like just a few months ago we were starting out and now it's all over but we're doing what we did before what we've done the last couple of weeks we're talking here and then i'll get uh we'll bring in dr Ernst's uh his thoughts his opinions and uh that's it yeah, we tried to get the three of us, but uh, the good the good doctor is actually really a pilot, and he'll be in the friendly skies while we're trying to do these podcasts. We couldn't get it, so we'll hodgepodge it together and make something glorious out of it. Right. If you've ever seen the the old Bob Newhart show, Dr. Ernst is basically Howard. So there we go. <laughs> All right, let's get to it, man. We got first up, we've got Oregon at Utah. Correct. I don't even know where it's at. I think it's in it's in the Rose Bowl. Where are they play? Yeah, I'm game? saying at, but yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Oregon versus Utah. Oregon opened up plus three. Utah minus three. It's now Utah minus six and a half. Quite a jump. Three and a half points. Quite, quite a jump, and I fully expect this to get worse. Um, look, Oregon. Oregon has has a great defense. Both these teams have great defenses. But that loss that Oregon took two weeks ago to Arizona State, this game could have been really a play-in game for the playoffs, and they really, really screwed the pooch. So unless their motivation here is to derail Utah from getting them into to the playoffs, 
Um, I, I don't expect Oregon to really show up. I, they looked very lackluster against Oregon State in that win in the Civil War. And Utah, conversely, has been absolutely dominant the last three weeks. I think Utah's got it going on right now. They've got everything to play for. I think if Utah wins this game, con- particularly convincingly, it doesn't matter what Oklahoma and Baylor do. I think Utah gets in. I don't think six and a half is enough. I'm still taking the Utes for the win. For the win. All right. Let's see what uh, let's see what old Doc has to say. This is the only game I saw that looked like uh, there can be some weather that may affect it. Um, I was a little bit surprised uh, by this number on Sunday when I saw it at 6.5. I think it would have been closer to 4. And then sure enough, when I when I checked it, it did open at uh, 4.5. So it, it got quickly bet up. Um, and I wonder if that has anything to do with the weather and people maybe thinking that that would give Utah – maybe some sort of advantage there. A few weeks ago, I had plans to come in on the Utah side on this one, thinking uh, it'd be about a pick or maybe Oregon as a slight favorite based on the committee's assessment, because the committee used to have Oregon ahead of Utah. But then Oregon not only failed to cover, but lost outright to the Sun Devils, and now the line sits where it is. So I think this is the best team that Whittingham has had at Utah, and so mostly because of the defensive side of the ball. I feel like... Uh, you know, their defense, it's kind of like a boa constrictor. Okay. So the, the defense just sort of squeezes and squeezes. And they force these really short three and out type possessions. And sooner or later, you know, it's just Utah gets enough possessions and good enough field uh, position that they're going to score more than enough points to win a football game. So I think Utah for me has at least one advantage here by, um, by being in this game last year, because I believe it was in Levi Stadium. Uh, don't quote me on that, but I think it was, which means that logistically they've already been through this process. They know what to expect, and I think that makes a difference. Uh, Oregon coming off the Civil War victory last week uh, versus Oregon State. And I'm not saying they could have been upset or anything in that game, but I think they caught a little bit of a break. Uh, the Beavers, uh, they, um, I bet the Beavers, they got the cover for me. Uh, but Jake Luton, the quarterback for Oregon State, was a late scratch. He didn't even play. So Oregon certainly caught some breaks this year versus Colorado. The Buffaloes were banged up, especially on defense versus USC. Uh, USC was at the peak of their decimating injury plague. And versus Arizona, Arizona had four offensive linemen out. And then the uh, Arizona State game without Luton. So all that, you know, that it led to this Oregon team being overrated. It got exposed against uh, Arizona State. Uh, so it looks like I'm kind of leaning Utah here, but the problem is I like betting against Oregon and Cristobal when they're favorites, but I'm not sure I like getting to the window betting against them as dogs. When they were dogs versus Auburn, they came out really fired up. They dominated Auburn early. Auburn actually got the win and the cover, but it took like a last drive sort of like semi-miracle thing. When Herbert is focused and the this uh, Oregon offense opens up. I'm not sure I want to be holding a Utah ticket laying 6.5. I think the line is close to being right here. Um, it's Oregon or nothing for me, and it's probably not a big enough margin for me to end up betting it, so I'm just going to lean it. Um, and one more thing, the con- common sentiment here is that the final spot uh, for the playoff obviously will be between Utah and Oklahoma if all the favorites went out. So six and a half... <laughs> Call me crazy. I don't think it's, I think that's a little high. I think the game's a little bit closer. I'm definitely leaning Utah, uh, excuse me, Oregon plus the points. Sorry. 
just, I think it's, you, you think it's going to be a blowout, huh? You think it's going to be more than a touchdown? I think it'll be double digits. Yeah. Ah, shit. Okay. I'm probably on the wrong side then, <laughs> but yeah, I'm leaning Oregon here. Are you betting this game or is that just a lean? I'm sorry. I will bet this game. I'm, I'm you are going to pull the trigger. Okay. Yeah. All right. Let's do it. Got you in for a bet. I'm leaning the other way. Got, got it. In case the listeners aren't paying attention, that that's a Friday night game. That is a Friday night game. Now we're moving on to Saturday. Got the matchup the country's climbing for. Miami of Ohio, Central Michigan. This opened up Central Michigan minus three against, uh, I forget what they call themselves now. They used to be the Redskins, but that they changed that. Uh, now yeah, the Red Hawks. Red Hawks, okay. Now it is Central Michigan minus seven. So it went from minus three to minus seven. Four-point shift. Oh, the mighty Chippewas of Central Michigan. That's where I, that's where I found my crazy axes up there in Mount Pleasant. Oh, God. Horrible memories. Miami, Ohio, uh, you know, they, they were on a nice little winning streak there, and then they got tripped up at Ball State to wrap up the season. Central Michigan has looked really good their last three. They did beat Ball State a couple weeks ago, so I don't know if you want to any kind of measuring stick there, but Central Michigan, as far as the MAC schools go, has just been really one of the more um, consistent programs. Uh, that's also where uh, Brian Kelly – came from before he went to Cincinnati uh, he came from Central Michigan little side note there but uh, seven points it really I think that I think I think they got that line right um, but I'm going to lean Central Michigan this is not a bet for me just a lean gotcha all right let's see what Doc has to say so last week on a Tuesday, Western Michigan's playing Northern Illinois in their final game of the season. If Western wins, they're in this title game. They dominated the bitter cross-state rival Central Michigan early in the season, but they lost, and that opened the door for Central Michigan. And Central then pounds Toledo and gets in this MAC title game. Central Michigan finished 1-11 last year and was picked to finish dead last in the division this season. Uh, insert Jim McElwain. Uh, he was a two-time national championship coordinator, offensive coordinator for Nick Saban. And then he got the job at Colorado State, won 10 games there, got the job at Florida, won 10 games at Florida, and won the SEC East Division two times in three years, and including in that an SEC Coach of the Year award. Year three, though, um, Eight players get suspended to start the seasons. The Gators start off three and four. McElwain is out, and such is life in the SEC. Uh, but a, a year and a half later, he started anew at Central Michigan. And um, as those of you who have listened uh, to the show regularly, I've been kind of blindly betting Central Michigan throughout the season and to pretty good success uh, just based on McElwain being there. Uh, but now they're laying 6.5 points in a, uh, to a division-winning team. I was surprised to see this line uh, so high. Um, but, uh, yeah, like I said earlier, it's come up from the 4, 4.5 range, I guess. So uh, I do agree with the line move. I'm tempted to bet one more time this year on Central Michigan. Miami did not have a good outing last game. They blew a lead uh, to um, – but I can't remember who it is, uh, who it was, but um, blew a late lead and um, just a lean for now on Central Michigan. Central Michigan looks to be pretty healthy. So 
I'm going to lean Central Michigan one more time in this game. Man, Central Michigan's going to win. Is it? Is there any doubt in that? I don't know if they can win by that many. Again, I I don't really don't know much about these teams. I'm just kind of looking through their stats. It looks like it should be a slightly closer game. So I'm I'm going to lean Miami of Ohio in this one. Let's move on. Louisiana Lafayette, Appalachian State, Appalachian State. I don't know the mascots for either of these teams, dude. Do you? I don't. I would assume Appalachian's like the Mountaineers or something like that. Uh, I know Louisiana is the Raging Cajuns. Okay. Okay. Um, but that, that's about all I know. But Sorry, uh, sorry if yeah. you're down from the neck of the woods. I don't know much about you guys. All right, so the game opened <laughs> up. App State minus six and a half. Pinnacle still got it at six and a half, but it looks like uh, the other books have flattened it out to an even six. So we're looking at App State minus six and a half or six. Yeah, this is, you know, App State, um, that Georgia Southern, they, they were three points away from being undefeated. Uh, I don't know if they would have, could have backdoored their into one of those big six bowls or not. Um, Raging Cajuns, to their same credit, have had a phenomenal season. Losing to Mississippi State uh, to open the season, you know, you're losing to the big boys that get recruits. But this is a rematch from the regular season. Uh, Raging Cajuns lost 17-7. to the first time these two teams played, I really don't see any reason to think it'll be any different here. Um, I'm going to jump on App State. It'll just be a lean because I don't really bet these mid, the mid-major games. Um, but I'll, I'll take App State here in a lean. Okay. Let's see what, uh, let's see what Doc has to say. Thanks to one of our Discord uh, participants um, that gets on there and chats it up on Discord, uh, TDJ7397. Uh, we sort of looked at this game and watched this matchup a little bit earlier in the year. Uh, I think it was like a Wednesday night matchup, not much else going on. Um, and I'm not sure about TDJ in that one, but I ended up getting a cash on that game um, on an under that went way, way under the total. App State ended up covered a spread in that one where I think they were actually getting a point and a half, two points. And um, they won 17 to seven in Lafayette. So, this line, interestingly enough, is exactly where it was a couple months ago. It's at Boone. Um, but if if you put it on a neutral flight site and then switch it over to Lafayette and you take four points out and, that, and take another four points out, it, this would be a 2.5 uh, game right around there favored for Lafayette if it was in Lafayette. So Vegas is saying, look, we know App State won the earlier game. We know App State has beaten two power five teams in North Carolina and South Carolina, uh, but we're just not adjusting this line at all. Um, so as for, the, for App State's win against South Carolina, sure, App State is a good team. No one's arguing that they aren't. But South Carolina was missing a lot of guys on offense, and they were playing with a true freshman backup quarterback, Helensky. Um, for South Carolina, and he wasn't very good this year at all. He's very, very inaccurate. And um, I was actually surprised when I went back to look at that game and saw that App State tried really hard to give this game away in the end. I actually had it sewed up and and, and almost blew it to South Carolina. I got to go with Billy Napier here and uh, the possible three 1,000-yard running backs uh, that Lafayette possibly has on the team. One of them is over a thousand, two more might get there. If that ends up happening, happening, I think it might be the first time it's ever been done. I'm betting Louisiana 
in this game. All right. So with the caveat being, I really don't know a whole lot about either of these teams, and I'm just looking at them on paper. I actually think App State can cover this one. They look like the superior team. I'm going to jump on it. I, I got to bet something, and I, you know, might as well. Just from a number standpoint, it looks like App State's the better team. I'm going to take them minus the points. So I would, I wouldn't follow. I wouldn't follow me. I wouldn't do it. But <laughs> you know, there it's that. All right. Next up, we got Baylor at Oklahoma. Baylor opened up plus nine. Oklahoma minus nine. Why I say I keep saying at? I don't even know where this. It's going to be a neutral site. Uh, Baylor versus Oklahoma. Oklahoma is uh, minus nine now still. Although one book, Bet365, pushed it up to nine and a half. Oh, keep pushing it. Um, yeah, this is, a, I, I call it the Taj Mahal. It's at the uh, the three-quarter dome there in Arlington, the, the house that Jerry built. Um, look, Baylor should have won the first meeting. And I think the fact that they should have won that game gives them all the confidence going into this game Um knowing that they can play with the Sooners. They're not intimidated. They're not scared. And conversely, Oklahoma knows the same thing. They were in a dogfight. They were fortunate to come out of that game with a win. Uh, so, you know, I, I think this is a much closer game, just like the first time. I, I don't understand that line. Um, and, I, and I think Oklahoma particularly uh, has to – I think they're under a little pressure to really perform – they can't just win. Uh, assuming Utah wins the night before, they're going to have to win convincingly, I think, to jump Utah if they want to try and backdoor their way in, into that um, number four spot. I think that kind of pressure in their head kind of can really mess with them. I'm liking Baylor plus the points here. Uh, I will bet the Baylor Bears. Oh, boy. You've been an Oklahoma hater all year. All year. And they got an Alabama quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to do it. I, I, I'm going to do it. I'm going to take the Sooners. This is not their time to shit the bed. I think they can win. I think they can cover. They'll shit the bed in the bowl game. That's for sure. Or the playoffs if there's some miracle here. But, yeah, Oklahoma will handle their business today and then look terrible in their last game of the season. Probably. Let's see what Doc has to say. Oklahoma, the last time out was uh, the Bedlam rivalry. I uh, got the win 34 to 16 at Oklahoma State. Now you're going to hear a lot if you hear any talk about this, about how Oklahoma took care of business and they kind of made a statement there. Look, I, I watched the game. Um, I don't know if I would say it was an impressive win. Uh, they got the win. Oklahoma State was without their quarterback. Um, they were without the All-American wide receiver and they turned the ball over or uh, Oklahoma State did. So, Look, uh, Oklahoma's had some struggles this year, but it's had a lot to do with turnovers. Um, and some of them have been some real doozy type turnovers. Uh, if you remember, you know, everyone remembers the Baylor game, but you got to remember in that game, uh, Hertz was going into the end zone about the half yard line and fumbled. And um, so that took seven points off the board right there. They still end up winning the game by three. Um you know, versus uh, TCU, they were up, you know, you look at that game, it's 28 to 24 final. They were up 21 to zero on TCU early. They just started turning the ball over after that. Uh, and they were up 28 to 17. They had the ball at the TCU 
five-yard line with a chance to put TC away. And Hertz throws a 99-yard pick six, and suddenly the score is 28 to 24. That would that would be how it ends. Um, then the possession after that, Hertz has a big run, and he gets caught at the two-yard line and stripped again. So it's, they could have scored a ton of points in that game. They didn't. They just turned it over. Um, in the last matchup, the Sooners were without C.D. Lamb, uh, who, by most accounts, C.D. Lamb is Oklahoma's best player. Um, they were already without uh, Calcaterra. I don't know if he's a tight end or a wide receiver, but he's really good. He was a really big target. He's been hurt for quite a while. Trey Sermon, uh, they lost him earlier in the year. Um, yeah, they turned the ball over against Baylor three times and, and, and still won. So, um, and that game was at Baylor. This is obviously going to be on a neutral field. So, like, I definitely think there's going to be people liking both sides of this game. Uh, I'm going to be off this game because I'm not fully backing Oklahoma's defensive turnaround under this coach that uh, defensive coordinator that supposedly is so fantastic. Um, I could see this being like a 10 or a 14 point game. And then Baylor kind of coming in with a backdoor TD. I, I do think Oklahoma gets it done here. Um, but I would be too worried about that backdoor cover to, to actually go one side or the other on this one. Um, but um yeah, so I uh, am probably going to be off this game. All right, let's move on, man. UAB, Florida Atlantic. I, I got to get off the ad. I don't because I don't again. I don't know where this game is being played. UAB versus Florida Atlantic. This game opened up with Florida Atlantic minus seven. It's minus seven and a half now. You know, interestingly enough, <laughs> this is the FAU football stadium. <laughs> so this is motherfuckers. <laughs> oh god damn it that's great you know uab they've got the identical records but they don't have identical performance uh uab doesn't score near the points they don't put up near the offense they do have a very good defense only giving up 92 yards per game on the ground fau Runs the ball pretty effectively, 154 yards per game. But I feel like Alabama-Birmingham, just looking at their schedule, their nine wins kind of got fat off some really bad teams, which there's a lot of bad teams in Conference USA. But uh, FAU, they, they've been competitive. They're riding, um, you know, five-game winning streaks. So I, uh, I like Florida Atlantic here for the win. All right. Bet it. Lean. Uh, fuck it. Let's bet it. All right. Let's see what Doc has to say. Of course, the first thing you have to mention when you're talking about this game is Lane Kiffin, the head coach at Florida Atlantic. Uh, he's in his third year. He won Conference USA uh, in his first season, had 11 wins that year. Uh, then a not so good next season. And, and then this year, he's got a chance to win his second Conference USA title in three years. His name's getting bantered about. For the numerous coaching jobs popping up, um, sounds like he's probably interested in obviously going to one of those. Uh, but uh, look, game one of the year, I guess you could say, one of Ohio State's toughest games was Florida Atlantic. Uh, FAU got the cover in that game before Ohio State ripped off about eight uh, consecutive covers after that or something like that. So um, and I was actually on uh, Florida Atlantic in that game. Uh, but look, I actually grabbed uh, Florida Atlantic again last week against Southern Miss. Uh, that cashed for me. Florida Atlantic did get four turnovers in that game, which helped. Um, 
they, they've actually had um, a pretty good turnover margin this season, which I, actually I'm not sure that's a great thing as as far as in terms of betting on them uh, because if they stop getting those, uh, maybe they don't win. But uh, look, FAU has a tight end, uh, Harrison Bryant, that's supposed to possibly be the best tight end in the country. Like he, he might actually win that award. So uh, they do have some good players. Uh, UAB sitting right now, okay, uh, right behind the elite of the elite defenses in the country, Georgia sitting at number four in total defense. Right behind them, the UAB Blazers sitting at number five. They've got a really good front four. I think UAB probably was fortunate, actually, to win this division, though, because from what I've heard, and this is just what I've heard, is that La Tech uh, suspended some players for a couple, maybe a few games, and that basically cost La Tech the division. Um, that's just what I've heard. So, but the UAB is definitely well coached. Uh, that uh, middle year where Lane Kiffin didn't do so hot, UAB won the Conference USA title under Bill Clark last year. So, in this game, I kind of like the FAU side. I'm going to lean towards Florida Atlantic in this game for now. I think you're actually probably right on this one. I think Florida Atlantic, again, I don't know a whole lot about these teams. I'm not Dr. Ernst. I don't have I don't have a three-ring binder for every team in, in college football. But just looking at the numbers, I think they should cover. I'm gonna I'm gonna follow it with you. I'm gonna bet Florida Atlantic minus the points. Like it. Right. Like it. Next up, we got Cincinnati at Memphis. Cincinnati versus Memphis. Cincinnati opened up plus 10, Memphis minus 10. And this one shifted quite a bit, and it's interesting. Bet 365's got it at 9.5, so 10, 10 down to 9.5. Pinnacle's got it at 8.5, Memphis minus 8.5. So that's a point difference between Pinnacle, five dimes, bet 365. Bookmakers got it at an even 9. Yeah, so this this is a rematch. Um, these two teams just played uh See two weeks ago, and it, it's it was a uh, it was closer. I believe that line at that point was thirteen or fourteen, and I jumped on the Bearcats. They end up losing by ten. So you know we've got a rematch here, you know, right after playing each other. Um, this is Memphis kind of has home field. It's being played at the Liberty Bowl, so and Memphis has a lot more to play for, right? If they win this game it's very likely they get into one of those big six games, uh, which is a, ho- a huge payout for them and their conference. So I think Memphis has a lot to play for here. Um, Cincinnati, you know, they've had a great season. They're trending the right direction. Their two losses were, you know, Memphis and then that ass whooping they took to Ohio State, but I'm not going to beat them up for that. I think, man, I tell you, if it's going down, I feel like Vegas maybe knows something but I'm inclined. I'm going to lean this game because that movement is kind of scaring me off. I'm going to lean Memphis here minus the points. Mm, okay. Got you in for the lean. Let's see what Ernst has to say. Cincinnati last week went with a freshman QB in place of the banged up Ritter. And uh, who's going to play this week? And will that make a difference? Well, I think Ritter is a slight upgrade if he's healthy. And I'm thinking – Maybe he's probably going to play. Uh, I'm guessing that he will, but I'm, I don't know for sure. Cincinnati's defense, they played really well, cons- all, you know, all things considered with all the dangerous skill players that Memphis has. Uh, at the end of the day, since he had the ball down three with seven minutes left, so they had a chance to win the game. They actually 
the possession, the next possession that Memphis has, they actually stopped Memphis again. And then they had one of those stupid personal foul penalties after they had stopped him on third down and it gave Memphis the ball back again. So they had a couple times um, that they, they could have, you know, possibly won that game. So, but in the end, you know, Memphis uh, got a TD and, and it, the game ended up 10 points. TJ Carter for Memphis. He's the best quarterback for Memphis. He left the game in the first series, did not return. I don't think he's playing again for Memphis this week. Um, I thought I was going to be looking towards Memphis in the rematch, but I'm not. Um, I guess if anything, I'd look sensey here. Uh, but, you know, got to be some sort of advantage for Memphis here playing back-to-back at home. I think that's got to be an advantage. I mean, they don't have to travel back to Cincinnati and then travel back to Memphis. They're just home. So there's probably some advantage there. Don't forget about that. Um, I don't know. I, it's really close for me. I'm not going to bet this game. If I had to lean it or I had to pick it in an office pool, gosh, I think based on what I saw last time and how well Sensi played, kind of agree with it, with it coming towards Sensi. So I would kind of lean Cincinnati in this game. All right, man, this one's close, razor close in my mind. Uh, whew. I think Memphis probably you know wins the game. No shock there. But at eight and a half seems too many. Nine and a half seems too many. Ten seems too many. I gotta go with Cincinnati. I'm gonna lean Cincinnati here, plus the points. All right. Next up, we got Hawaii, Boise State. Boise State opened up minus fifteen and a half. They're minus thirteen and a half now. Oh man, Boise State. This just seems like they've been been around as like the mid-major now for the longest time these two teams played back on October 12th and Boise State handled them quite convincingly it beat them by 22 points so this is a rematch Hawaii's won four of their last five four in a row um, but against relatively subpar competition Uh, Boise State has been I mean just they've been typical Boise State that 14 seems I mean, it seems probably right, but a little bit more than I would be willing to bet here. I'll take Boise State in a lean. Let's see what uh, see what old Ernst has to say. For some reason, and again, without doing a lot, a ton of research in this game, I kind of almost want to lean the Rainbow Warriors in this game. They did beat San Diego State last week or last week or two weeks ago, one of those weeks, but to get a shot in this game uh, to get this rematch. So um, they beat San Diego state the last two years. So they're obviously, you know, a formidable team. Boise state, I think is going with what was at one time their third quarterback. And I don't necessarily, I think he's honestly their third quarterback, but I think they've decided to go with them. I think number two quarterback is hurt. Maybe the number one is as well, but I think, one of those first two is healthy and I think they've just decided to go with them. And that's one of the reasons why um, I would lean uh, Hawaii at this point in this game, because I really do think he's their third best quarterback. So that's going to affect them. So that's about all I got on that game. All right. No, I think you're, I think you're right. I think it is too many points. I just looking again at the paper, at the numbers, I'm going to lean Hawaii here and just, uh, you know, see what happens. I don't know if I'm going to bet it, but uh, yeah, it's definitely a lean right now. This is too many. This is, should be a closer game than that. That's what I said last time, and they won by three touchdowns. <laughs> Pipe down, you. 
right. We got Georgia versus LSU next up. LSU opened up what I thought was a reasonable three and a half. And this is the second biggest shift on the, on the board. It went from minus three and a half to minus seven against Georgia. And this is no surprise. Public and money are coming hard on LSU, hard on LSU. So the line move makes sense. I don't know about you, but I think that seven might be a little too much. Oh, you know, my, my thing is Georgia just doesn't typically uh, score a lot of points. Now, I say that after they put up 52 against Georgia Tech, but that was probably more like a scrimmage warm-up for this game. LSU just scores. They, I mean, 50, 56, 58, 46. Those are their last four games. Um, I and the, and the defenses are probably somewhat equal. LSU gives up a few more points, but I think a lot of times those are backdoor cover touchdowns in the fourth quarter from putting their second and third string in. I Georgia mildly, I, I would say, has home field just because this is being played in Atlanta, but they, they split the tickets, so it should be a 50-50 crowd um, for this game. I... I wouldn't be surprised, I guess, if Georgia kept it close for a majority of the game. But I think pulling away, I think LSU just pulls away. Um, they just kind of like Ohio State, Michigan uh, a, w- a week ago. They just It looked like it was going to be a game, but there's just too much. I think LSU has too much on both sides of the ball. I'm going to bet the Bayou Bengals here and give up those points. Ooh, okay. Let's see what Ernst has to say. Um, so let's talk about some obvious stuff first in this game. And the obvious thing to talk about is the wide receiver position for Georgia. And I just want to make sure why everyone, I want to make sure everyone understands why this is such a big deal that uh, Cager is out. He's going to be out until the bowl game or these playoff games. Pickens, um, the receiver are going to be out uh, first half of, of this game. So last year, Georgia um, had some really good, receivers okay four out of those five receivers were not coming back there was one receiver that was going to come back holloman now he got into some trouble or he got injured or something happened but he never played this year so holloman was supposed to be the number one guy coming back so the top five guys that they had last year none of them returned that's a lot to lose on your receiving core thankfully georgia got cager from the university of miami okay Cager ends up getting hurt. He he became their number one target. Pickens, their number two target, has also stepped up, but he throws some punches in the Georgia Tech game, and he's out the first half due to suspension. So with the, the five guys that didn't return from last year and then losing their top two guys here, Georgia, that's why this makes such a big deal on the wide receiving core, these two guys being out. So why am I staying away from LSU in this game, given that situation, because Georgia is a really good football team. It should come as no surprise to anyone that Georgia has one of the best defenses in the nation. They have Kirby Smart, a longtime defensive coordinator, national championship winner at uh, Bama. Uh, They got Kirby Smart, and they've got ridiculous talent on the defenses, about as good as you can get, really. Um, So, Let's throw out the South Carolina game that Georgia lost for now because they were a big favorite in that one. But when Georgia plays big games, it's not that they can't compete. Okay, they've lost some of them, but the fact they're pretty—they're pretty much always dominant in those games. So let's look at some of them real quick. 
two years ago in the national championship game, um, they were the better team. They had Bama beat. Tua comes in for Jalen Hurts and throws that bomb, and, and and Bama wins that game. But but they were dominating that game against Bama team that 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 was favored in that game. Same thing versus Bama last year. They had a two touchdown lead against Bama, and, and then they blew that one. Um, this year in big games, Notre Dame. They should have won that game by two touchdowns, uh, but because on a fourth and one at, at the 35 of Notre Dame, instead of going for it with their big offensive line, they kicked the field goal. Then they let Notre Dame drive all the way back. Notre Dame, I think, had the ball with a miracle chance to possibly win. So they just, again, another another example of a game they could have won by more, but it was closer. Against Florida, they were up by two TDs. Uh, against Florida, they let Florida drive down and get a backdoor t- TD to cut that game to seven. Against Auburn, they were dominating Auburn up 21-0 to zero in that game. Fourth quarter rolls around, Auburn gets a couple touchdowns, and then Bo Nix misses the guy out in the flat for a first down and probably about 20, 25 yards more. Auburn could have scored and tied that game. They, were, they would have been deep into uh, Georgia territory. So uh, then look at the Texas A&M game. They were up uh, – 19 to six in the fourth quarter in that, and they let uh, Texas A&M score. And, and that one got a little bit closer. So UGA is never outclassed. Uh, it's been a long time since they've been outclassed. I don't think they're going to be outclassed by LSU. Um, if this one is a slam dunk for you, LSU bet. Um, I would encourage you to go back and watch some of the old Miss and the Arkansas games and just see the defensive performances there because they got gashed. Um, some of it was not good. That might slow you down just a touch if you're just a slam dunk LSU better in this game. Now that's up to seven. I'm probably going to be following Lucky here and uh, coming in on the Georgia side. It's just a lean for now, but I may get to the window on the Georgia side. It's Georgia or nothing for me in this game. Okay, seven is too many. I just feel like Vegas was probably right. I I think these two teams can play it close. I hope there's not that much difference between the number one and number four team out there. Maybe there is. Maybe I'm misplaced in my faith, but I'm going to bet Georgia. And uh, if they lose, I'm going to blame Lucky. It's Lucky's fault. It's Lucky's fault. Here's Here's what I will say about this game. If somehow Georgia were to win this game, I think the Oklahoma Baylor and the Utah games won't matter. Georgia will get in, LSU will drop to number four, and both teams will still be in the playoffs. Okay. This game total, since you wanted to talk about that, 55 is where it opened. It's 54 now. So Vegas set the line kind of high for you know Georgia putting some points on the board. They're going to have to score. I mean, and that's what I'm saying. They're going to have to score. Um you know, in the 30s, I, I would definitely take the over here. I think both teams are – that's putting you at, you know, just splitting it down the middle at 27 apiece. I think they're going to have to get over that, uh, particularly Georgia, if they want to win this game. Okay. Next up, we got Wisconsin, Ohio State. Wisconsin opened up as a 17-point dog to Ohio State, so minus 17. And then it kind of shifted down. It got down to like 15, 14 and a half. It's normalized right now. It looks like Pinnacle's got Ohio State minus 15 and a half. Five Dimes has got it at 16 and a half. And like Bet Online's got it at 16. Well, the nice thing about this game is weather will not be a factor. This game's being played uh, at Lucas Oil Stadium in Indianapolis. Um, the last time these two teams played, 
Ohio State just whacked them. I mean, it just it was not even competitive. It was thirty-eight to seven, and Wisconsin could not do anything offensively, defensively. I, I, that game has to be in their head. Maybe they're motivated. Maybe they're like, "Hey, we're better than that." But you're not. You might be better than that. But Ohio State is that good. They have smacked everybody all season long, um, and I, they're going to smack the Badgers again. I'm betting the Ohio State Buckeyes. Everybody in the world is on Ohio State, and the line's getting better for them. It's getting worse for Wisconsin. Just throwing that out there. I'm definitely thinking Wisconsin. I'm leaning it right now. I kind of want to see what this line does some more. If it keeps getting, if it keeps trending down, I think I think Wisconsin's the play. We'll see. We'll see. I want to. I'm going to see how this moves some more before I pull the trigger. Definitely leaning Wisconsin right now. Let's see what Doc has to say. I think it was around that 14 point spread the last time these two played. It was Week Nine in Columbus. So if you factor out that home field advantage, uh, this point spread has gone up towards the Buckeyes side by about uh, you know a touchdown or so. That, you know, I, I guess that makes sense to me because Ohio State won the first one by 31. So you'd think it, it would shade more towards the Ohio State in this in this rematch here. Uh, but that game was close early in the third quarter. It was 10 to seven, uh, but Wisconsin's TD came on a short field. It was after a block punt. And that would be Wisconsin's only TD of the game. Um, Ohio State was able to get command after that and roll the final, I believe it was 38 to seven. Last week, Ohio State playing Michigan. So look, I was uh, on Discord, you know, chatting it up Saturday morning uh, with a few people, Lucky uh, in particular, and uh, you know, I just I threw it out there on Discord that the numbers in the Ohio State Michigan game clearly favored Ohio State, and if you were coming in on the Michigan side on that, it would have to be based on something psychological or something rivalry based, where Michigan was going to keep it close, um, not not on what had happened all season because Ohio State just been so dominant. Um, you know, all the numbers guys, the numbers guys that I, I looked at all had, you know, Ohio State winning that number bigger than a spread. Um, this year, I think the numbers guys have this one a little bit closer to where the line actually sits. Okay, so, um, and I kind of actually agree with this. Um, and I do kind of agree with the line coming down a little bit here in this game. Uh, Personnel-wise, uh, question marks that I, I, I saw early in the week. I don't know if they still hold true, but you want to check out uh, cornerback wild use for Wisconsin. They got an offensive lineman, Mormon, and wide receiver, A.J. Taylor, that are questionable in this game. So for me, I guess I kind of like the uh, Wisconsin side here. Maybe they, 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 they do have a good defense that's played well all year, and maybe they keep it a shorter possession game. All right, last game. We're looking at Virginia versus Clemson. Clemson opened up minus 21 and a half, and this was the biggest shift. They're now minus 28. Everybody in the world is taking Clemson. This is a snooze fest. This is this won't even get this won't even get ratings except maybe out of South Carolina and maybe the first quarter in Virginia. Just Clemson, okay, first off, Clemson cannot lose this game because they're out of the playoffs. Their schedule has been so abysmal and so weak that this I don't even expect it to be close. Four touchdowns seems like a lot, but I don't think it's going to matter. Uh, Clemson should win this by a landslide. Uh, I'm jumping on Clemson minus the points. 
Yeah, I'm kind of with you. I, I'm with the everybody on this one. Clemson has everything to play for in the world. They have to win. They have to destroy Virginia because it's been that their, their theme all year. I joke about it on the podcast, I think, every week. Oh, look, Clemson won by 40, and they drop in the polls. Right, right. So, yeah, they've got to win. they got to win big. They have to make a statement, and they know that. So, yeah, I, I think you're probably right. I can't believe I would even consider taking this much chalk. But Clemson's back is against the wall. They're going to have to do it. So let's do it. Let's bet Clemson. And let's see what old Doc has to say. Dabo Sweeney has been spouting off this week about how, you know, there's almost like conspiracies or certain people don't want Clemson to do well or don't want Clemson in this playoff and how his team is being unfairly portrayed. He's done it on multiple occasions and people are taking sides and coming down on both sides of the fence on this one. Uh, I think uh, Feinbaum was saying, I heard that he was saying something about, hey, get a pacifier or something like that. And then Holly Rowe thinks that that's great. And he's, uh, you know, he, he what he's saying uh, makes perfect sense and he should defend his team. So here's the thing with me on Clemson. I think that what Dabo Sweeney is saying is perfectly legit. And I think he should say that 100%. Um, but I don't think I don't agree with them, okay? Because I don't think I for my power, and I this is one thing I could totally whiff on. Occasionally I do, but my power ratings, when I'm betting two teams on a neutral field, I got Clemson about eight or nine this year. They're a good team, but look, I mean LSU, Ohio State, Georgia, Alabama, Auburn, uh, maybe Utah, uh, maybe Oregon. Uh, Oklahoma, maybe Baylor, maybe not Baylor. Maybe I'm going too far on that one, but uh, Michigan, maybe. I think there's a lot of teams that could beat Clemson this year. They did almost lose to North Carolina. And look, now this game has gone up to 28. In this particular game, I know Virginia's got some injuries on the defensive side of the ball. They won the last game against Virginia Tech to put themselves in this championship game. I think Virginia Tech turned the ball over like four times that game. The score was 39-30 to in that game, but it was one of those games. It was a three-point game, so if you were betting on that game, I think the line was three. I don't know who was favored or not, but there was a sack fumble in the end zone on the last play of the game, so it was a six-point tack on. So that's that went from 33 to 30 to 39 to 30. So that that's that's why that game was so spread out. But look, there's so many injuries on the defensive side for Virginia. And on this one, I agree with the line move here. And I think uh, particularly Clemson's offense is going to be motivated to put up some points here. But going into the playoffs, probably definitely going to be in Clemson, against Clemson, but not in this game. All right. So interestingly enough, the total in this one opened at 53 and a half. It's 55 now. I wanted to point that out because that's a huge point spread compared to the total of 55. Well, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done betting the totals on the season. I, I'm, I did pretty well. I'm done. I look, I three of the last four, well, four of the last five games that Clemson has played, they've scored 52, 55, 59, 59, by themselves so i mean the, they can cover this thing by themselves i, I would probably take the over <laughs> i'm thinking the over too i mean what if let's see here it's what 55 right now so what is it would it be like 41 to 14 definitely plausible yeah. 41 to 14 yeah 48 to 14 let's call it like that and there you go you got the over yeah and i and, and i wouldn't be surprised if it's you know 
48 to 10, 52 to 10. They've given up 3, 3, 10, 14. Like, they'll give up 10 or 14 points, but probably in the fourth quarter. You're, you're looking for those, you know, few nickels in the couch cushion type thing. All right, that's it, man. That's it for college football. Next up, bowl games. Well, since so that'll we, be fun. It'll be fun. We got a there's an Army Navy game the following week, um, but uh, we we probably won't have a special episode for the Army Navy game. Sorry, guys. Uh, we appreciate the hell out of you, but we will probably won't do that. We'll probably throw that in on like uh, I'll throw that in on the the Saturday podcast when we do the basketball and hockey. So, any uh, any closing thoughts there, Archibald? That's been a long season, but I think it's been fun. It's been a lot of fun. Hopefully, we can hear more from Dr. Earns you know, as the season goes on. Uh, the offseason will be probably just as much fun. We're going to have some coaching carousel moves going on. Um, so Todd Helton stayed at uh, USC. There's still the rumors of Brian Kelly possibly leaving Notre Dame, Urban Myers in play. So a lot of things to look forward to in the offseason. We've got a weekend full of college football conference championships. Everybody knows the deal. Jump on Discord. Let us know what you got going on, what kind of bets you're going to make. And when it's all said and done, kids, make some money, fools. Information on this podcast may not be construed to offer any kind of investment advice or recommendations. Under no circumstances will the owner-operators of this podcast be held responsible for damages related to its contents. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.